Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. recognize that tune and you know it's time for relics radio this is a family friendly show so the entire family can join us as we talk metal detecting and relic hunting you can call into the show at 270-495-0315 or join in the chat and post any comments or questions you might have and we'll get to as many of them as we can You're listening to Relics Radio of Southern Kentucky and Middle Tennessee. And you are live on Relics Radio, August the 16th. 2018, coming to you from deep, deep, deep down in southern Kentucky. In fact, I'm almost on the Tennessee line. I can throw a rock into Tennessee just about. I'm in God's country here. And, you know, uh, what a great place to live. You know, the rest of the country, I've been listening to the news the last few days, and all you hear about is Antifa this and Antifa that. We don't have any of that business on here tonight. We're no Tifa. That's right. If you want a full set of teeth, you're going to have to get a group shot of at least 18 rednecks to get that. And speaking of rednecks, my co-host, my friend, and your friend, Tennessee Jeff, he may not have all of his teeth, but he's got a Relics Radio (laughs) t-shirt. Yep, yep. <laughs> I've got all of them but five. How, how does that work? That works. Daddy knocked them out when I told him no one time. <laughs> that works out great. You know, I thought about that the other night. They, I was listening to uh, Phil Valentine, WTN out of Nashville the other night, and uh, got home and turned the TV on and, and Antifa this, Antifa that. And it just popped in my mind. Well, we ain't, we ain't Antifa. We're no Tifa. Hey, Ken and Mark Guthrie, we may have to get us a no Tifa uh, T-shirt made up in the near future. And uh, we may have Gordon do us a cartoon of me and Jeff with uh, maybe five or six teeth between us. And do a Relics, new Relics Radio t-shirt. Uh, I tell you what, we have a lot of fun here. Sure do. Who we got in the in the chat so far tonight? Well, Kent, he was the first one in, buddy. There you go. Uh, we got a Sue. There, hey, there's Sue Roberts. Uh, you know her, don't you, Seven? I think I do, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, of course, we got Mark Hoover in the house. Uh, let's see. Tim Henderson's in the house. Uh, let me scroll on up here. Uh 
that's about it right now. See, there's Mark Hoover. He's yeah. finally in. There, so. <laughs> yeah. Hello, yeah, Mark. And he Ma- just got off his cell phone. We were texting each other just a minute ago. I know it. And uh, and Tim <laughs> Tim Henderson been texting me all afternoon. Uh, I haven't yet. Tim had a chance to look at what you sent. He sent a bunch of maps of a uh, Civil War spot that is a piece of realty land that's going to sell maybe uh, later in the month, pretty soon. So uh, we're going to have to hit that pretty quick, I guess. And we had a good rain today down here and i know y'all did too didn't you jeff oh yeah it rained uh about five inches and in 30 minutes so i mean it was it was a good rain but uh, we still need one of them good soaking rains yeah where it rains for a while but i'll tell you what the ground's in pretty good shape right now it is it, it is getting better so yeah. and while but i'm the humidity man oh the man humidity today was killer you can cut it with a knife i'll tell you and uh, while it's on my mind, I caught uh, DK's live stream last night, Digger Spotlight. That was the first of those that he put out. And uh, he had M.A. Lyman. We had uh, uh, Mike on the show as a, a guest. He's a great guest. And uh, I thought DK did a fabulous job, especially with the technical side of that. And I know how much work goes into that. But he did a great job and had a great guest. And it was just a... A really good show. I really enjoyed it. I uh, had to catch the archive today, but uh, I did catch that. Did you see it, Jeff? No, I'm sorry. I missed that one. Uh, of course, I need to go back to the archives and catch that too, but I missed it last night. So yeah. I was busy with uh, little Avery and just doing the parenting thing. So. <laughs> I remember what that's like. And we've got a great guest tonight, don't we, Jeff? I believe we do. I believe she's going to be a pretty good guest. Uh, Sue Roberts. You got Sue Roberts. Are you there, Sue? I am here. Good evening, everybody. Good evening to good you, evening. too. We've been looking forward to uh, this show since I reached out to you and uh, uh, talked to you and scheduled you to uh, to come on. And you're out of Texas. Is that correct? I am. I'm in, I am in the North Dallas area. North Dallas, you're not yes. you're not uh, too far from the Oklahoma line, then, are you there? Uh, it's it's about an hour, a little over an hour from where I live to cross the border into Oklahoma. Yeah, I was born and raised in West Texas in Lubbock, and uh, oh really, really, yeah. And uh, my dad was from uh, Monroe County, Kentucky here, and uh, he was in uh, stationed at Fort Sill in Oklahoma, and. Uh, Married one of those Indian girls out there, and then they eventually moved to Texas, and that's where I was born. And we'd come here to Kentucky for family reunions, and I always said if I got a chance that this was where I was coming. And uh, I got a chance back in 1977, and I moved here, and and uh, I don't miss West Texas at all. I, I bet you don't uh, eat. And, of course, you didn't have any teeth, so you felt right at home, didn't you? <laughs> And Mark Hoover said he was born in Odessa. I've been to Odessa. I have too. I've been to the Midland Odessa area. The yeah. First time and it's been like thirty years since I've been have been out there. The first time I ever flew into there, and I'm, I I swear this is true. The plane comes in for a landing. We're taxiing down the runway, and a tumbleweed rolls across uh, across the tarmac. I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I just got myself into? <laughs> now, where were you born and raised at? I was actually born at an on an air base up in Illinois, 
and then grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, the Omaha, Nebraska is not a stretch from uh, from being out in Texas, Odessa, Midland area. Uh, there's a lot of those uh, sand hills around uh, in that part of the country as well. Yeah. I, I've been down there coyote hunting and everything uh, before. Mark Hoover, it is a small world. I didn't know that you were a Texas boy. I tell you what, there's all kind of good things come out of Texas, but most of them have left, except Sue. We're going to have to get her out of there. <laughs> and you know, uh, my I love sister it here. was. Oh, I bet my sister was born in Texas on a, uh, a military base, also. So. Well, of course, I was born right in the middle of Tennessee, as you can tell. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about that. You redneck all the way, I tell you. Hey Sue, what kind of uh, what kind of hunting do you do down there in Texas? I do I do a different kinds of hunting. I actually started out about four years ago as a bottle digger. I had I love to I love to go hit estate sales, and I had been to an estate sale, and I found this bottle, and it was just oddly shaped. The top was very weird. It, it was you, you could tell it was old. So I bought it, and I paid like $2 for it. Brought it home, started hunting on Facebook, and ended up on a bottle digging site. Started, and then that developed into meeting local people here that bottle dig. I went on my first bottle dig about four years ago down in Ferris, Texas, which is about 45 minutes south of Dallas, and just loved it. And I still bottle dig today. About, a, about two years into that, I saw a post on one of the bottle sites about somebody that was doing metal detecting near a uh, a dump, an old an old bottle dump, and I thought, "Ooh, that sounds cool! I would love to learn how to do that." Well, as it turns out, a former coworker had metal detected before and had an AT Pro, and he said, "I'll be more than happy to teach you how to use that." So we just went out to a local park, and I got a lesson. In, in the in, in on how to how to use the machine, and then of course I went and downloaded the manual and read it myself. Um, uh, eventually, was able to purchase one of my own and have hunted parks, have hunted playgrounds, have hunted beaches, have uh, have done. I've been to both of the um, the uh, Garrett Memorial hunts, um, which. If you haven't been, you need to go. It is so much fun. They say that's it, a it great is hunt. amazing fun. It I've is seen, a great hunt. I've seen a lot of videos from that hunt. And, of course, I can't remember how many dollars worth of coins that they uh, seed in the ground. I mean, it's it's quite a bit. Uh, you find a lot of stuff, and they give away a lot of metal detectors, too. They do. They do. They give away a lot of stuff. Um, the, they do the relic hunt. They do the silver hunt. Um, which are, no, those are the, both the seeded hunts. They also do, which is the basic part of the basic package is doing the, a night hunt, doing the night hunt, which I, the first year I just did the basic package because I didn't know what to expect. I thought I'm just going to go in simple and see what this whole thing is like. And I actually had the night hunt to me is the most fun part of it all because you're out there with everybody else with no lights, no backlights, no pinpointers. It's just you and the sound of your machine. And I really, really enjoyed that. Man, I, that does sound fun. I didn't know they had a night hunt. That would, that would be it, fun. It, it is. 
and the place that um, I don't know a ton of the history. It's out in Jefferson, Texas, which at one time um, Jefferson was a major water thoroughfare. And the they the barges would come in and they they'd unload and there from what I understand the area where the hunt is held had been a um, either a, an encampment or a, you know a stopover or whatever during the Civil War people have actually found um, relics out at, in the area where the hunt is held it's now a giant RV park and campsite and they will. They will host the hunt. They've hosted this hunt every year. So, and it's it's and they do they seed, um, they do, do both the relic and the silver hunt, and they seed those. And the amount of, and this this year when I went, I did the silver hunt, and I came home with just this giant handful of dimes and quarters, and uh, I got found a ring and. Um, ended up with a prize token that earned me a small little um, Krugerrand, a, a one-tenth Krugerrand coin. Oh, it, I, is, it is an amazing event. I saw in uh, the chat a moment ago that Mark Hoover said he'd already got confirmation for the uh, 2019 uh, Garrett Hunt. Have you hunted with Mark at those events? Have you met him? No, Mark and I, I have not met Mark yet. I'm going to make it a point to do so next year because I'm definitely going next year again. Well, he's the ugliest guy there. You can't miss him, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and the oldest. <laughs> yeah, if I'm not there, he'd be the he'd be the oldest one there, no doubt. But, yeah, that sounds like a, a great hunt. Is there? Do they have a lot of... Uh, like the history of Garrett metal detecting there as well at those hunts? They're trying to think if they have, I don't really remember if they do. Um, they do have speakers that will come up and talk a little bit and they'll talk about the history of the company and, um, Vaughn Garrett, the son will do some, do some history. He'll come up and talk and he will do history of the company. Um, if you want to see history, you have to go to Garrett. I mean, that's where the magic is. They have in the building, um, they actually have a small museum where these amazing finds are. They've got machines on the wall that show the, you know, the time periods of these machines. Um, they do do tours. Um, so if, if you ever get a chance to come to Dallas, definitely get with Rusty to schedule a tour of the facility and see that museum and what is in there. And, and from what I've been told, what's in the museum now is only about a quarter of, of what they actually have. And they're going to try to expand so they can add some more of these relics and these amazing things that have been found by not only Charles Garrett himself, but, you know, people from all over the world. Before the show started, uh, Sue and I was talking. We have a mutual friend uh, that works for Garrett, Rusty Curry, and she said she he took them on a, a tour through the uh, Garrett facility, and uh, that would be a good thing for me, me and you to do. Seven, I, I would love to get down there sometime. I would too. I'd love to yeah, go absolutely. to go to one of those hunts and uh, do a live podcast down there, like we did at the Relic Show at uh, Chattanooga, 
and uh, get to meet all of those people. I've seen Rusty. Uh, I never have met him. I've seen him on video and stuff, but uh, I know that Jeff knows him, and and, uh, obviously then Sue knows him as well. But, yeah, I tell you, uh, I guess uh, they're at the museum. They've got all of the – I remember years ago Garrett had those green machines. you remember them? What were they? The uh, the twenty five hundred. I can't remember what what the first. I don't. Uh, it was something twenty five hundred. But yeah, I can remember seeing the old green machines. And then what's the deal? I think uh, uh, Tim Henderson's got one that you carry. Of course, they still sell it. I believe. Well, I don't know. This was uh, this was just the VLF machine that you uh, that you hunted with back in the day. You know. Of course, back in the day, I used, uh, I guess my first machine was an old white, and I don't even remember what number uh, that that was. But uh, the uh, I remember those old Garrett's. They, they were green, and I, they may have some of them that are still green like that. Tim Henderson put in there. Yep. GTI 2500, yep. That's the one I'm thinking of. Now, if you're saying back in the day, now I don't know how far you're going back, but I was only born in 1976, so. Oh, oh, well. Um, I, you're a youngster. Yeah, I was. Yes, my am, I am. I, that's the, <laughs> I'd already been detecting a year or two when you were born. <laughs> somebody somebody posted a coin the other day, and uh, I don't know what it was. It was like an 1830-something other, and uh, Mark Hoover would get a kick out of this, and I commented on it. I said, I was three-year-old whenever that coin was minted. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Sue, are you still using uh, the AT Pro? I am. I'm still using the AT Pro. That's my number one go-to machine. Um, I have actually got a got presented a Garrett AT3 Beach Hunter. A friend of mine was cleaning out dad, their dad's garage, and they come across this machine, and they knew that I've detected. She brought it into me, and she says, do you have any interest in this? I said, yeah, are you going to sell it or what? She's like, no, you can just have it. Oh, yeah. It. I haven't spent a lot of time with it. I did call Garrett, and they said that thing is from like 1980-something. Um, it still works. It still comes on. It, But it there's something with the connections, and I'm not electronically skilled enough to have figured it out yet. But um, it, it it somewhat works. So I've, I've, yeah. I've experimented with that. And then I also picked up a um, Tesoro Sidewinder just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm still getting familiar with that. Yeah. See, we talked about the uh, Sidewinder a few shows ago, and then I can't remember who we were talking to it, uh, talking with about it, but they were talking about it being a pretty good machine. Of course, I mean, all your old-timers used it, but they say it's still a good machine. It, it seems to be so far. I mean, I've only used it a couple of times, so I'm still getting used to the adjust. You know, having to learn the adjustments, and you know, as simple as it is, um, it's just hearing just one tone. It has been hard to get used to after using the AT Pro for so long and hearing the low tone, the high tone, the mid tone, you know, whatever. Um, so it's it's been an adjustment. We actually had a family weekend down in Galveston this past weekend, and I took the machines with me. And uh, my daughter-in-law has actually gotten interested in detecting. So we did some beach detecting over the weekend and um, d- didn't find anything worth mentioning. 
Um, I heard it, that that one's going to take some time to get used to. I heard on one of the shows I was listening to an archive driving back and forth to Nashville the other day. And I, on one of the shows, and I can't remember which one it was, they were talking about the old Tesoros. And there's a guy, and I believe his name is uh, Stevens is his last name. And he's doing modifications on those old Tesoro where he will uh, make them have two tones. You'll have an iron tone and then a non-ferrous tone. And then a uh, volume control on the iron where you can turn it down kind of like... Uh, well, kind of like the Equinox is now, you know, we the volume on the iron on the Equinox is lower. But, uh, yeah, me and Jeff, we uh, we both have AT Pros, and I guess the majority of the stuff that we found has been with them, hasn't it, Jeff? It sure has. I've probably found 85% of my relics with AT Pro. And it doesn't matter what machine comes out, I'll never get rid of my AT Pro. I mean, it's it's I love it. And, it, of course, the tones, like you said, I've got used to that, uh, the tones of the AT Pro. And I just, if I'm looking for a home site, I would rather use my AT Pro as anything else because I know when I hit that iron field, now I know that it's going to be a home site and I can tell the, the lay of the ground with the AT Pro. And for yeah. some, I mean, now the Equinox, uh, that'll be a, like a cleanup machine. I mean, it'll pick up stuff the AT Pro won't, but right. I mean, I love the AT Pro. Yeah. And I'm like Jeff, I, I, I've got one, I've got one of the first ones that came out and actually, uh, there was a guy, a friend of ours that, uh, they, he had a couple of AT pros that he and his wife were using and they went to another machine and he said he was going to sell his. And I knew that they were in just like brand new shape. And I told him I wanted one. And so I've actually got two and you know, I'm probably not going to sell either one of those because it's just a good all-around machine, and I've got one that I can bang around in the creeks and in the water and not worry about. And then I've got another. You know, that like Jeff said, I love to uh, I love to hunt with that machine whenever we're we're scouting, trying to find an old house site. Now, how yeah. do you how do you run yours? Are you running in Pro Zero? It depends on what and where. Um, normally, yes, I usually run Pro Zero and just run wide open. But I will. It, it's a, depending on if I'm in a park, I will. I'll discriminate out everything iron just because we know how trashy parks can be. Right. Um, That's pretty but, much. I mean, of course, seven. I we we never hunt parks. We just hunt old home sites and civil war sites and uh we run ours in pro zero and we had a good friend of ours well earl from virginia he uh was talking uh put it in a, a standard and he said it would pick out the coins a little bit better than it does in pro zero so but i just can't stay i can't see myself i can't stand that ding 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 that kills me, <laughs> me i don't know what it's i can't ding, either ding. Yeah. I can't either. I, I've actually got my daughter, my youngest daughter, has hunted with me a couple of times. And um, she doesn't know it at, yet, but I have a machine on layaway at a pawn shop that she's going to get for Christmas this year. Man, so She and I did a couple of years ago. We went to Ada, Oklahoma uh, for a group hunt with uh, a bunch of uh, Oklahoma people. And... 
got a loner for her, and we went up there and hunted a park that was built like in, that was established in like the 20s. Beautiful, beautiful area, beautiful park. Um, neither one of us came home with silver. We we did come home with a, quite a bit of clad and some junk jewelry and all that, but she, you know, she really enjoys it. And I've been telling her all the time, oh, if we can get you your own machine, would you come out with me more often? Uh, so a uh, friend of mine called me up and said, hey, my buddy here at the at the pawn shop just got this machine in. I think it's the same thing that you have. Well, it turns out it's not just the machine. It's the pinpointer and a carrying case and the uh, pouch, the Pines pouch. And the deal was just too good to pass up. So I put that on way away for her for Christmas, and I'm so excited to give it to her. That's great. And that, that, that is great. Yeah. Well, uh, Seven, it's about time to go pay some bills, isn't it? It is. We're going to have a commercial. Don't you go anywhere. I'll have to send Jeff after you. I'll do it. Hey, Seven, we's looking good in our new Redix Radio T-shirts. Yeah. Ken and Mark Guthrie of Detectees.com done brung them to us. Yep, yep. And they makes other shirts, too. Yeah, boy. Detectees.com can handle tees for your club, hunt, or any other promotion folks may have. Uh-huh. They even got the Wide Pride shirts. Yeah, them boys does the manatee crawl. Yeah, scooting on their bellies. <laughs> That's what I said. The manatee crawl. Looks like slugs eating jelly. Uh-huh. So whether you hunt horizontal or vertical, tell the folks where they need to go, TJ. www.detectees.com Uh-huh. <laughs> it never gets old, does it? It never gets old. It never gets old. Sue, that's the first time oh, you've heard funny. that commercial, isn't it? That is the first time I've heard that commercial. That's awesome. <laughs> that uh eating jelly. Yeah, that came to me at two o'clock in the morning. I was asleep and for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason that popped in my head and I jumped up and wrote it down real quick and then uh Plugmaster Ford, Jeff Ford out of Missouri is the voice behind all of that. Just a phenomenal person and uh very, very talented. And uh, has worked with us on uh, a couple of ads like that. And uh, just just a great all-around guy. And, hey, if you guys need a T-shirt, get with Ken and Mark Guthrie of Detectees. They will fix you up. And I guarantee you the price is right. And I guarantee you you're going to love that shirt. Uh, we love ours. And they got some mojo in them shirts too, ain't they, Jeff? Yeah, they got some mojo. It's uh, what did you find? Uh, let's see, what was it? Monday or no Tuesday? We was hunting together. Uh, what did you find? Well, we can't say because it ain't been on the video. No, but he he done a pretty good job. But uh, the shirts helped us out. Yeah, and you know we're getting uh, we're getting messages all the time where people are saying that uh, that they got their Relics Radio T-shirt and then they're posting finds where they found a ring or they found something you know great. Hey, guys, we're going to open up our phone lines because we are going to give a shirt away tonight to a caller. It is 270-495-0315, and I see that uh, Tennessee Jeff has already put that 
number in the chat there. So call and ask Sue a question. I've got another question for you, though, Sue. What coils, uh-huh. what coils are you using on your AT Pro? I have the the little five by eight coil. The five, five by eight. Do you have any other bigger yeah. ones? Okay. Uh, yeah, I have the the whatever the standard size one that comes with it. The uh, eight and a half by eleven. I I think. Eight, yeah, yeah. eight by yeah eight, eight by eleven. The one yeah, yeah. I have Something both of those. But I, I I like the little one. I use that one more than anything else. And I well, tell you, you know, uh, seven and I we just uh, from Tim Henderson. We've got some snake coils. And uh, who makes the snake coil? Lori, I can't remember. Uh, nail. Yeah, nail. Nail does. Nail, okay. Now, I'm yeah, impressed I've with that, that little bitty coil. I, I mean, I really am. I mean, I, I, I like it so far, and I've only used it maybe four times. And I've done yeah. very well with it since I've got it. Yeah, the uh, the last video that we did, we had those little nail coils, uh, the... Uh, little snake coils and we did pretty good with it you're able to pick yeah. through of course it was a really really trashy spot and uh, you're able to uh work around in those nails and everything but i'm going to tell you on that five by eight you don't discount the depth on that because i was hunting a civil mm-hmm. war site that was real trashy it was where an old house had stood during the civil war and I don't know if they used it as a hospital or just camped around it or what but it was absolutely full of nails in there and I dug a piece of a shoulder scale epaulette and it was probably somewhere around nine inches deep with that little five by eight. So they will get down there. They'll work for you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. See Tim Henderson, he put a, the D tech 13 inch. You got to try it. And it's crazy separation for a 13 inch coil. So, and depth too. Yeah. And I've heard good things about them. Yeah, I don't have one of those yet. Yeah, I don't either. So, But uh, get back to the uh, bottle digging. So how many bottles do you have in your collection right now? I have, oh my gosh. I actually have gotten rid of a lot of stuff. I got, I, when, you, when I first started, and I think this is probably for, you know, anybody getting into it, everything is cool. Everything is, oh, my God, this is this is awesome. You know, so you bring home a whole lot more stuff than you really need to bring home. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, and, and I've, I've trimmed it down a little bit. My favorite things to dig are the, are the embossed medicine bottles. Um, so I've probably got, I don't know, 60 or 70 of those that I've kept. Um, Man, that's pretty good. Of course, see, I'm trying to get in a little bottle digging and, the oldest bottled, I've found some old bottle dumps, but I mean, you have to dig deeper to get to the older stuff and I just haven't tried it. And, and of course I've been wanting to try to find previews and stuff to try to get the bottles out of them. But I mean, I'm really inter- interested in bottles and I just need somebody to kind of help me along and, uh, tell me what to do or not do. So I, don't, I mean, I don't know any, it's like coins. I don't know anything about bottles, just like coins. I have no idea. We lost Sue for some reason. I'm going to go in here and try and get her back on. I don't know if she hung up the phone on us or not. Yeah, she may have me talking about all the bottles. I don't know. (laughs) Or talking about why I needed somebody to show me the ropes, the bottle digging. She was done with that. Yeah, yeah. 
Are you uh, back on yet, Sue? Not yet. We're still trying to hook up. So. I don't know what the deal is there. I'm interested, but, though. Oh, hey, did I lose y'all? Yeah, you lost us. What I, happened? I, I, I have know. no That's, idea. Well, uh, we have oh some thunderstorms well, going through. Oh. I don't know. That's uh, weird. Yeah, you're on the phone, and I I saw that you had dropped out, and so I just called you back. Uh, oh, that's weird. What was the last thing y'all heard? <laughs> the last thing we <laughs> last thing we heard. I don't know what the last thing that we heard was, but we were <laughs> we were. Uh, Jeff was asking you about the bottles and everything there, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah. you you did say that you had a lot of them. How how do you find those sites, the bottle places, and everything that you dig? There are there are a couple of resources out there that you know, for me I was just given information by people who do, dig in this area. Um, I actually have a spreadsheet of it. There's a there's a couple of different ways to do it. One is looking in, and it's it's more like smaller towns, smaller areas, not huge cities like Dallas. Although we do have dumps here. Uh, they're harder to find. Um, typically, back then, you know, obviously there was no trash pickup. You had to put your trash somewhere. Mm-hmm. Very often it was dumped along the creek beds, and then it would be covered up or burned, and it would just be layered up until such time that, you know, we started having full-on landfills. So uh, a lot of areas will have um, websites that you can go to and see where um, uh, landfills are and used to be. I I actually have a a site that's got links that will tell me that there was a landfill at this location back from 1900 to 1930. And a lot of times they're along creeks. All the digging that I've done up to this point is in creek beds. Man, that makes sense. Of course, the uh, the oldest dump in the town, uh, well, a little piece from here called Gallatin, it's uh, it's sitting under a golf course right now, and it, it's along a big creek. So that would... Now, my wife's make- parents, they had uh, a farm, and my brother-in-law, after my mother and father-in-law passed away, my brother-in-law and his wife bought that farm. And uh, I remember we used to haul all the junk, and it was we holler, haul it up a holler, and we put it out next to the to a little branch there, you know. And I know that there were a time or two whenever we'd have some major rains, and it would wash th- some of that stuff down into the bottom, and you'd have to go and get it and take it back, you know. And I'm sure mm-hmm. I remember, uh, you know, old uh, cabinets and things like that that. Uh, that we threw up there, and I'm sure that there are a ton of bottles and everything uh, up there, you know. Oh, I'd say so. And, then, of course, nowadays you look at all the trash in the oceans and rivers and stuff, and then you wonder why. So, I mean, everybody just put it next to the creek where it could wash on downstream on the next person's property. So, But we hey, didn't know any better. No. Hey, Sue, have you got one favorite bottle that you found that just stands out from all the rest? Yes, I do. I was digging up in the uh, Sherman, Texas area, which is about 45 minutes north of where I live, and I dug a cobalt blue ink bottle. 
Good. I've just seen pictures and, of them. Yeah, I was so excited. You know, I've dug two or three ink bottles. I've got a couple couple of different varieties of those. I, I and I, I guess that part didn't get heard earlier. My my favorite thing to dig is embossed medicine bottles, and I have probably I don't know, fifty or sixty of di- different varieties of those that I've dug. Um, and then some other odds and ends. I've got a, some ink bottles. I've got, I've dug two, three poison bottles, and those are always interesting. Um, but the that that cobalt blue ink is my absolute number one favorite find ever. And that's a small round ink bottle, isn't it? Am I right on that? It's this one. This one is square. Oh, it is square. Yes, but I have seen people dig dig the blue round ones as well, but mine is square. Well, now you're going to think that I'm lying, but I'm not. But early in school, we still used ink wells. And uh, that you had a circle on your desk, and they'd put those the little round ones, and they were blue. And mm-hmm. I remember, oh, really, yeah. And I remember I got in a lot of trouble one time because uh, there was a girl named Evelyn Shed, and she had ponytails, <laughs> and I dipped the tip of her ponytail in my inkwell. <laughs> it, <laughs> it got all over her back. <laughs> oh my goodness! So I'd love to find one of those. That brings back good memories. And uh, she couldn't she couldn't turn her head for some reason. She had to turn her whole body, and <laughs> she turned around. What are you doing to me? You know, <laughs> bless her heart. <laughs> no. But uh, seven, you remember what the teachers what the teachers done with the uh, ink bottles? No, they just fill them up. I mean, they just be open, and and you oh, just, they reuse them. Oh yeah, yeah. You just stuck your pen okay, down okay. in there. And uh, they would have a big bottle of ink, and they would just fill them up. And uh, you'd just dip your pen down in there. And, and uh, <laughs> Mark Hoover said, what's an ink whale? <laughs> Come on, Mark, you old enough to know that. <laughs> no, he's poking fun at me, I guess. <laughs> oh, is he? I think so. Uh, well, uh, and Barb says that I'm old. Yes, I am. I remember, and uh, I'll tell you one more story, and then we'll get back to Sue because this is her show. But I remember whenever I was in the second grade, and you had you had the desk, and they would be like four people at a desk, and uh, you know everybody had carved their initials, and it would bring a pocket knife to school and carve their initials. Well, I didn't have a pocket knife, so one day, and I wore cowboy boots. And, one day I just uh, I got Mama's butcher knife and I just slid it down in them boots and <laughs> and I carved my whole name Loy Milam in the desk you know and there wasn't no oh denying you know that I'm the one that done it and so uh, I think my dad had to had to come and buy that whole desk it's something like twenty five dollars and I had to mow yards for about a year to pay that back. Dang. <laughs> 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 so uh, so you're you're in some old company here so <laughs> it sounds it, yes funny. you are <laughs> so uh so going back to metal detecting what has been your uh best find metal detecting oh my gosh um i don't really have a favorite metal detecting find because i found a lot of cool stuff you know uh, my my favorite metal find i actually found i have two of them actually found in the dump, in two different dumps. I found an Oklahoma tax token in one dump, and then I found a 1914 
um, dime in another dump. Man. So. Well, they're good finds. Yeah, they're good finds. Um, I don't. I said I don't really have a favorite metal detecting find. I found a lot of clad. Um, you know, I don't. I don't have a lot of old places to go around here, um, and I'm usually by myself, so I kind of stay close to home. I've hit all the schools practically in my city, um, have found a fair amount of nice, uh, I found three, four, four silver rings at different schools, uh, one, of, one of which I can actually wear. Um, a lot of clad, um, you know, and the, the, the usual park finds that, the park that us park hunters and school hunters hit hot wheels and uh junk jewelry and um any number of of odds and ends um boy scout neck slides i found a couple of those i found a boy scout uh looks like it's a little square thing and it's got like the creed on it and it, it looks more like it's a medallion than it, it's not a neck slide. I don't know what it's called, though. Huh. I don't know either, but I know what you're talking about. I've seen those. Yeah. Hey, guys, we uh, we got another hard break coming up. we got another commercial. And uh, remember now, the phone lines are open, 270-495-0315. We're going to give a shirt away to a caller, so call in. <laughs> If you want to keep up with what's going on in the metal detecting world, then you need to be a subscriber to American Digger magazine. Butch and Anita Holcomb are the publishers of the magazine and have won awards for three straight years for being the best digger magazine on the market. American Digger magazine is available in both print and digital formats, so no matter where you live in the world, you can enjoy the latest happenings in the hobby. You can get in touch with American Digger Magazine by going to americandigger.com or give them a call at 770-362-8671 and be sure and tell them that you heard it on Relics Radio. And I tell you what, if you're not a subscriber to American Digger Magazine, you're missing out. It is the greatest uh, Relic Magazine on the market today. And by the way, the article that I done on uh, Jeff Ford and also on uh, West Stringer on the Great Silver Horde will be in the January-February issue of that magazine Butch told me the other day. And I think that uh, Relic's, uh, Relic Roundup is going to have those two guys on as guests in conjunction with that coming out. What else, yeah. Jeff? I have actually done a little bit of magnet fishing, and I did find one rock that had that was metal. I don't know if it if it's of that meteorite type nature. Oh, um, maybe have, a million dollars. Um, I doubt that seriously. I've I've only magnet fished a couple of times, and the, that was like the very first time I threw that magnet out. That was what I caught. Was this? It's only about the size of a dime. Oh, but it's it's a it's a strange little rock that came out of, came out of a river. Huh. Now, Mark Hoover just got he just got him a magnet and started magnet fishing, and uh, that's that's a lot of fun, I guess, isn't it? It is. Now, what kind it's, of places? It's a lot of fun. I've said, 
what kind of places do you hunt there? Lakes or what have you? Uh, I went, I was down in, um, I might, I have two older children that live in Houston and I was down there and I've got a good friend that lives in college station down there by A&M and I drove over there after visiting my kids and spent the day hunting with him. And we went to the, I think it's the Brazos river that runs through there. And we went to the river and tossed a magnet out a few times and caught some junk and, um, and I got my little rock. That's where that little rock came from. So I've only done it one other time in a creek and didn't didn't pull up anything with that. So, but it's fun. It is fun to do. Oh yeah, I would like to try it. And of course, I've been waiting on Seven to get a magnet where I could try it. <laughs> got one yet? But uh, all serious. So that little rock that you found. I mean, a lot of meteorites that I've been hearing they are uh, magnetic. I mean, they'll well they'll stick to a magnet, and then, of course, a mm-hmm. lot of them had iron in it and stuff. So. I mean, you never know. You may have something there. Maybe if you, so. If, I, I suppose. Yeah, Rusty Curry. He wouldn't. He would know if it is or not. Oh, that's right. He's he's a he's a rock hound, isn't he? He he sure is. Uh, a rock. I, I did I did get the op- a rock hound. I did get the opportunity to go fossil hunting uh, last year. Um, I went up to the Sulphur River, which is about it's about an hour north east of where I live. And I got a friend that lives up in that in that neck of the woods, and she and I went and walked walked the creek one day and found some old glass. So, you know, I'm like, oh my god, there's glass here. I got to go find that dump. Um, but uh, walked the walked the river that day, and I did come home with um, some uh, little pieces of bone. There was a gentleman out there who was much more. He had a lot. He was very knowledgeable. Apparently, something he'd been doing for decades. He was an older gentleman, and you know, look, take a. He was. We were coming back with our finds, and he's like, "Oh, what did y'all find?" And so we showed him, and he said, "Well, that's a bone for this, and that's a bone for that, and that's for that, and that's for that." Just was able to spout off all this, what all these different bones came from. I'm like, "How do you do that? Just how?" Uh, so I did find a. I forget what they're called. It's a, the, the, the round, the, the shell, it looks like a snail shell. Yeah. 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 Kind of, it's kind of arched, didn't it? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I I did. I did find one of those and that was, that was a great find. Um, well, I know whenever I was young, of course they're in Lubbock, uh, they've got, uh, well, it was a college then. It was Texas Tech. Now it's a university. But they had a large museum there. And uh, there were dinosaur uh, bones and things that were found in those areas there in West Texas. And they had one of those there. I don't know that it came from the Lubbock area or not. But uh, I know that there were a lot of fossils and everything there, although I really didn't have an interest in that. What got you, what got you interested in fossil hunting? It was. It was. I have a girlfriend that lives up in in that that area, and she called me up and she said, "You know, people people go hunt this particular stretch of this creek for fossils. You want to give it a try?" I'm like, "Sure, why not?" You know, let's well, do that's it. Something. So we did yeah. that. We did some detecting as well that day, and um, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. There is a place southwest of here called Glen Rose, Texas. And there are there is an area down there. It's actually a tourist attraction. It's called Dinosaur Valley, 
but they're down in the, the the creek bed down there. There are actual tracks, dinosaur tracks, and I've heard stories of people finding stuff along the creek and in the in you know in the surrounding areas where the city was built. Um, so that that could be where some of that came from is that area because it is it is the uh, uh, very much a very much a tourist attraction with the dinosaurs and the the um, fossils uh, and stuff down there. The fossils, yeah. yes, the fossils yeah. and stuff down there. That would be pretty neat to get into. I mean, I see, I see the guys. A lot of them live in Texas, and they just walk the creeks. And of course, you have to not have the eye for it. And mm-hmm. of course, uh, Seven Eye, like if we're walking along the creek doing a little prospecting or metal detecting. And I'm always looking for an arrowhead or something like that. I mean, I haven't, I'm not very good at it. I mean, I've really never found any real good ones, but, but it's just kind of neat all the stuff you find in creeks. And I know in Texas that they have a lot more fossils and stuff than we do. Yeah, it's a, it's a different area down there. I tell you, uh, it, in fact, in Texas, you get out in West Texas and, and, uh, you know, you got kind of sandy and then whenever you get east of dallas you get into the blackland around green greenville and and over in there and then you get down along the coast you know and and uh, it's just like anywhere else you know on the gulf coast so you've got just a little bit of everything there don't you Sue? oh yeah we do yeah we do you get you have your west texas dry land i guess tumbleweeds and then you get out into the east texas and it's pine trees and beautiful out there of course and then you got your um you know the coastline with some of the really nice beaches down there yeah been down to padre island uh i lived at port arthur for a while uh down there just uh southeast of of houston for i don't know about a year and a half probably in the late 60s uh just a lot of different terrain and everything down there uh, what do you use for research to find old spots to hunt? We use the, uh, the aerial maps, the, that, you know, a lot of people use, the uh, historic uh, aerials, historic aerials. Thank you. Right. I drew a blank on that one for a minute. Um, I've been to the, my local library to find stuff here in my city. Um, which is where I've spent most of my time researching. Um, I don't, unless I'm with other people, I don't stray too far. I like to stay in familiar territory. Um, you know, there are some of the, some of the bottle dumps that we go to are placed in areas where one does not go alone. You always go with a group, at least one or two other people, um, cause the neighborhoods are not the best. Um, but the library, uh, online, the university here has um, maps and old county maps uh, going back further than the aerials do, the uh, historical aerials do. So I will use those. Um, and, you know, of course, I will do the, um, the demo hunting like, like some people do enjoy doing that. And we'll periodically check the CAD maps to see the latest acquisitions by the city. And we'll hit some of those. 
as well. So there's there's a lot of resources out there, you know, and I'm I'm always learned, you know, somebody will say, have you tried this one or have you tried that one? So there's, there's I have a whole lot of bookmarks of different resources uh, to, you know, find sites and find historical areas. So on your uh, local parks, are they pretty uh, good about letting you metal detect or do you have, uh, you have to get a permit or anything? No, we do not have to have permits here. The only stipulation is don't leave a hole. Cover your holes. And the, the, I've never had issue number one in my, my city or any of the surrounding cities that, that I've hunted in around here. And that will kill it for everybody. It just takes one yeah. or two people. And, and uh, Tennessee Jeff and I uh, in Gallatin, they, they were building a bank, a construction site, right on a Civil War camp. And uh, Jeff talked to the construction foreman there and gave us permission to come in there. Of course, they were taking a dozer and a front-end loader and, and taking about, well, in some places, they probably took two or three foot of, of uh, dirt off the thing. But we hunted that two or three times, and then word got out, and then there were several hunters that came in there. I don't know, one day we were there, probably six or eight of us all together. And uh, one day there was an older gentleman, and he'd dig a hole, and he'd just leave it. And I wouldn't do that even on a construction site because, you know, it, it, it's just, it just looks bad, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and you can never tell. I mean, of course, you know, it's a construction site, but, yeah, you're going to have a, wa- a worker walking through there carrying a bag of concrete or some rebar, and they're going to step off in that hole and break an ankle or twist it or whatever and then i mean it, the that's done the metal detecting would have been done so fortunate none of that ever happened but yeah. i mean I, me and seven and i we covered all the holes up that we've seen that was un, left uncovered well actually i've done that too yeah actually i got around some of his holes and uh, and actually found the target i guess he was digging for and then finally covered everything up Hey, Sue, M.A. Lyman asked uh, if, uh, who would you like to go hunting with if you could just pick somebody? I don't know if that, uh, if that's a question that you had to think about or something. And I'm, I'm trying to go back up and, and find the question, but I believe that that was the gist of it. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I don't know. Um I would. I, I can tell you where I would like to go hunt. I would love to go up, up along the East Coast and hunt up there. As far as with whom, I, um, it doesn't really, I don't really know. I don't really have anybody that I would, you know, that comes to mind right away. Right. Um, and you're talking about. I would love to go. Up Northeast, sorry. New England? Yes, yes. I would love to go detect up there. I would love to go bottle dig up there. I've seen some both, both you know, uh, Ohio and east to the to the coast. That whole area, I've seen some amazing stuff come out of the ground, both metal detecting and bottle digging, especially the bottle digging. They find stuff that we don't see here. That's, and we have finally. We have finally got a call that came in. Oh nine eight seven. Who are you? This is Tony from North Carolina. Hey Tony. Hello Tony. Good to have you hey, in. How Hi, you Tony. guys doing? Ah, we're doing great. 
Yeah, hey, Lloyd, I was just going to tell you, I'm old enough to, to know about them ink wells, too. Uh, we, had them. <laughs> <laughs> we had them where I went to school, so, you know, you're not by yourself. Well, that's great to hear, I tell you what. You got a question but, uh, that you wanted to uh, ask Sue? Yeah, uh, uh, the ink bottles, uh, did you find them in a river, or where did you find them? They were found in a, they were found in a creek bed. Oh, okay. Okay, because we we found a bottle dig one time here in North Carolina, and we dug up a bunch of stuff, and there was some uh, square ones, and there was some round ones, but uh, uh, I just wondered, you know, because, you know, some people throw stuff in the river, and some people just bury stuff, but we found some that, that people had actually buried at the home site. Yeah, that's. That that is something I haven't done yet. Doing uh, privy digging, and I don't. Yeah. I, I did recently just get some information on how to research how to find the privies. I haven't had the opportunity to do it yet, though. But that's on my list. That's a bucket list thing. Well, why don't you why don't you share that information with us then? What you learned on that? Yeah. Well, it, it, it's something definitely different that I had never tried, and I had a friend that that, that had told me how to do it and they take like metal poles and they dig or they don't dig but they like put them in the ground and if there's like a hollow spot then they pretty much know that that's where somebody maybe buried stuff and so we just start digging and then and just check the area and we've had uh, I, I have found probably three or four sites that people have done that well, of course, I've tried that. Well, Seven and I both have. And, man, we put that little probe in the ground so many times, it'll wear you out. And we'll we'll think we've got a spot, and we'll dig down, and it'll be like a, a starting of a sinkhole or something like that. And then, I mean, we, yeah, it, it, it's not always a, uh, a concrete thing that, that you're going to find one. But uh, here where I've been, most of the time, that's, that's how we found them. Either that or it's been a uh, cistern or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, Sue, how yeah. do you get into how do you get into the uh, previous? Well, I said I haven't I haven't done it yet. What I learned was similar to what Tony was saying was probing, um, and the I actually had a conversation with a gentleman who had done it for many years. He said, when you're probing, you will notice a difference in the soil. He said it will the privy will be, the soil will be much softer. Your probe will slide into the dirt a, a lot easier. And he said, you just work in small grids and you can tell where the dirt is harder and the dirt is softer, he said, and you just mark it off and that's where you start digging. Um, I haven't found a place to do that yet here. Um, so, yeah, that's, well, on, that's the, true. on the list. That's true, So I mean, most of the places we found it, it's really mostly uh, like sand. Yeah. Uh, most of the places where we found where they have actually dug places like that. But listen, I'm enjoying the show tonight, guys. Y'all have y'all have a good time. Hey, I'll, I'll thanks, keep listening. Thanks for the call, Tony. Hey, thanks, Tony, Thank for you. the call. And actually, we've got another call on. Uh, Charles is on. What's going on tonight, Charles? Hey guys, I'm doing pretty good with you. I this is the second show in a row. <laughs> Man, well, I, uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, 
I always try to hit the shows. I listen to them all the time on uh, on the archives, most of the shows, but um, just never works out where I can call in live. But I got you guys two times here recently, so. Um, and I'm glad I got here tonight. I like Sue. Um, I listened to her on the other podcast a few times, and uh, uh, I, I she's a she's a go getter. I think you know she gets to digging and, <laughs> and swinging and stuff, and uh, she. I, I like the way she talks. She's good like that. But um, oh, thank I, you. My question, yeah, um, no problem, Sue. My question is, uh, and and you got into it a little bit with that last feller there, but um, what what's your tools when you when you get into a a dump site or a bottle site? You know what what's the tools you use? I mean, do you got shovels or do you got picks? Do you have uh, little you know cement trowels or you know, what's, what's the MO there? How do you go about it? Um, that's, a, that's an awesome question, actually. Um, yes to pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> my, tools, my, my tool of choice is a little pronged digger, and one I actually ordered off of Amazon that is a okay. beast. I can drag it through, and it's, it's, I prefer something like that because it will bust the dirt apart as you're scraping, it, you know, it'll separate the dirt and you're seeing what's falling out. And that's where we find the smaller stuff like the marbles, the coins, the buttons, um, uh, what we like to refer to as creepy doll parts, where they're little pieces of broken porcelain figurines. Um, right. I have I have I have a half gallon mason jar that is full of nothing but creepy doll parts. Oh. That, and I keep those. They're just different and odd. Um, I also yeah, use a, um, a paint scraper, and that's good for okay. cutting, you know, it's it, loosening. Up. If I'm digging really hard, really hard soil, that paint scraper is great for cutting through, and you're not risking damaging any of any, any bottles that you're, that you're going to come across. Right. Um, shovels to move dirt, small buckets to move dirt. Um, uh, I, I have a, um, and of course, a pair of very, very good cut proof gloves because you're going to, you know, most of what you're going to be digging out of the ground is broken. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're in a dump. I mean, you're going to have broken yeah. jagged metal and glass and everything. Everywhere, so, and, and some of the sites are are very trashy as far as metal goes. There's a lot of a, a, a lot of you're, a lot of rusty stuff. So make sure you have your tetanus shot up to date. Um, right. But the the variety of things that come out that have come out of there is astounding. Between the marbles, the creepy doll parts, the dinner dishes, the we find pieces of china. We find. Um, uh, you know, whole jars we find. I One of my favorite finds ever is a complete Lee and Perrin's Worcestershire sauce bottle. It's embossed and had still had the stopper in it. Wow. Oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> what year does that come from, do you know? That's uh, probably around 1920 to 1930. Yeah. Before yeah, they started cool. putting, before they stopped embossing it. And, and it had, it would have had a paper label on it. But it, it was still embossed with the Lee and Perrins. Later on, it was just the paper labels. But we still, you know, finding those embossed items are, those are the most amazing finds. 
to me is, yeah. is finding those embossed, the, the medicine bottles, the um, uh, extracts, and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. You mentioned uh, marbles a minute ago. Do I remember you mentioning before that you've got a pretty healthy collection of marbles as well? I do have a pretty healthy collection of marbles. Um, my, uh, I have a, my, I use my, my mason jars. Um, I use those quite a bit for storing, storing my finds in, and I've got one quart-sized mason jar that's full of nothing but marbles that I've dug, both regular the glass marbles and clay ones. I've dug a bunch of clay marbles yeah. as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remembered. Um, I, I thought I'd remembered you saying that, because I, I like marbles, and I, I think um, – in the last three, four years of metal detecting, I've only uh, found one in a hole. So, <laughs> but I, I found one marble. I don't know last year, I think, and then um, this year I found a little blue Indian bead, a little, a little tiny seed bead, um, uh, you know, trade bead that uh, would have been in the native Indian community. So that was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed finding cool. that this year. Um, yeah. So hey, uh, appreciate it. I was just, um, had to run an errand tonight late and, uh, got you guys pulled on here and caught part of the show. I'll catch the rest of it up tomorrow. And, uh, I'm glad I got to talk to you guys again, Loy and Jeff and Sue, uh, pleasure talking to you. So I'll get off here and let somebody else get on. Hey, great call, Charles. We, uh, we appreciate it. Sure do. And we've got one more commercial to run and we'll be right back. If your passion is metal detecting, then you know how much your success is based on the equipment you use. Let my buddy Tim Henderson of Murray Branch Outdoors in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, help you with that. Tim is an authorized dealer of Garrett, XP Deus, Tesoro, and Micro Detectors and Supplies, and he is now an authorized dealer for MineLab. So, if you're looking to get your hands on the new Equinox 600 or 800, then Tim is your guy. Murray Branch Outdoors is not only competitive in their prices, but the service after the sale is second to none. Tim not only sells detectors, he uses them, and so he can answer any questions you might have. Murray Branch Outdoors also deals in used detectors, and he'll take your old detector in on trade when you decide to upgrade. So give Tim of Murray Branch Outdoors a call at 615-948-4611 and be sure and tell him Relics Radio sent you. And Tim is a great guy, good friend of ours down at Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And if you've got any kind of metal detecting needs, give him a call. And uh, if you're still in there, uh, Tim, throw your number in there. Uh, but we do have it in the description on this uh, uh, <laughs> on the on the podcast here. So as we do with all of our advertisers, we uh, we've got a link to all of them there. Hey, Sue, do uh, do you do any sifting at those spots to find those things that uh, the smaller items? Yes, yes, we do. Um, no, I don't do it every time. It's, it's more just, a you know, it, when I feel like it, there are some days I want to just bottle dig and pull out as many bottles as I can find in a day. And other days it's 
take it slow and sift everything. And that's, that's where the marbles can come in. Finding a lot of marbles is, is doing a lot of sifting. Um, I actually went dump digging a few weeks ago with a friend of mine, and we sifted almost every load of dirt we pulled out of that hole and came home with a good number of marbles that day. And, and that's uh, one thing know, I've we, really, really never found a lot of is marbles. And, uh, I mean, it's just, I found, seven, I was hunting next to an older home, and I found a couple surface uh, surface finds, but, I, mm-hmm. like, digging them wise, I've never found too many. So. And most people don't know, but in our part of Kentucky here, they have a marble game called Roly Ho. And that is actually... Uh, people participate that in that over in Europe as well. And uh, we've got some guys here in Monroe County, Kentucky, that are the world champion Roly Hole marble players. And they make their own marbles out of flint. And uh, there are there are a lot of flint marbles that are in the ground here. And I've been lucky enough to find, I don't know, maybe two or three, but... Those are just incidental finds, you know, and, and if you can find a spot in an old yard where they had the marble yard, which most yards here in southern Kentucky and middle Tennessee, most of them had a marble yard if you just know where it's at and uh, go to looking, well, you know, you can you can find those. But sifting is, that's the way to get those, isn't it? It is. That is definitely, uh, you know, it, it just depends. I mean, some days you'll be digging and they'll just be plopping out of, plopping out of the dirt, you know, and, and it takes, it's when you're kind of like when you're metal detecting, it takes a while to train your eye or looking for arrowheads. It takes, you have to train your eyes to look for those things and, and see, catch the round, catch the different color, catch whatever it is that, you know, what you're looking at. Um, it's so. Uh, I enjoy doing the sifting. I have a small, um, a small, very small sifter that that's easy for me to use. You know, you get too much dirt in there for me. It's just too heavy to try to shake it all like that. Um, but I, I, I do do the sifting and I've come home with some really neat buttons. I had a friend find a, a post office department, two post office department buttons in a dump. Now are those terribly yeah. long ago? And that was really are those uh, buttons that had the P-O-D on them? Yes. Those are fantastic. I don't have one of those. That's on my bucket list. I want one of those. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he found two of them in the same, in the same little area where we, were, where we were dump digging. I'm trying to picture that. I can't. Well, it's just got a capital P, a capital O, and a capital D, Post Office Department. And uh, evidently it was uh, something that was state-issued to all of the mail carriers or people that were associated with the, uh, with the post office back in the day. And, uh, th- you know, they, I've never found one, but I've seen a bunch of those that have come out. And, and they're early 1800s, aren't they, Sue? Or early 1900s, I mean. Uh, yeah, late 1800s to early 1900s is what I was told. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about them. Do you know if those uh, had a back mark on them or not? I don't remember if if they did or not. Uh, and and I don't know that he cleaned them up well enough to be able to tell because he was so afraid of doing any damage. It was like brush the dirt off the best, best as you can and leave it as is. 
there was a uh, there's a button place that was in Connecticut, and I can't even remember the name of it. I'm old, but uh, I can't. Somebody can put it in the chat here in a minute or something other. But uh, they made a lot of buttons, and if you find the back mark on those buttons, you can get a, almost a, an exact age of when that button was made because of the back mark, you know. Scoville's. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, Scoville's, uh, Waterbury, Connecticut. Uh, oh, okay. M.A. Lyman put in there. But that's the way we date our Civil War buttons. And I know that they made the post office department or some of the post office department buttons. And they made a lot of different brass things. You know, that was uh, that was a big brass manufacturing place there in Connecticut. Uh-huh. Hey, guys. I'll have to tell him about that. Yeah, check that back, Mark. Phone lines are still open, 270-495-0315. We're going to give a Relics Radio t-shirt away, but you got to be a caller, and you got to have a question for Sue, so call in. Sue, do you have any... When you did the last commercial break, I was curious about you asking me about my finds, my metal detecting finds. I have a, I have a big mason jar that I... The, the not trash not valuable type things. I usually just toss these into a jar because I think they're cool. You know, we've all found those brass hose nozzles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all found at least one of those. I have like four. And I got to looking at some of this stuff, and it's amazing how much I've actually, stuff I've actually found between keys, lots of keys, car keys, house keys, locker keys, Dog tags, um, my, my favorite dog tag is one that I found down in, uh, we were hunting down in Venus, Texas one day, and hit up on an old park site, and I found a dog tag that was from like 1956. Man. But it, it's, um, it's amazing, even after just a couple of years, how much accumulates, you know, I found a few buckles i got a little piece of a silver spoon um purex uh, uh purex bottle lid uh pieces of toys fishing weights um watch pieces it's just it's amazing the stuff that we uh, a little airplane it's amazing the stuff we end up bringing home with us and deciding to keep or not to keep <laughs> yeah <laughs> And M.A. Lyman wanted to know, what is your oldest dog tag? Would that be it? Yes, that's it. That's the 1956 dog tag I found in, in Venus, Texas. Uh, I think he said his was like 1936. I've got some old dog tags. Yeah. Uh, Matt said his was 1902. Gone to that's Texas. awesome. Yeah. And you know those are those are collectible. There's a lot of people that that just collect those old dog tags like that. Anything that we find, yeah. you know, have you ever noticed that metal detectorists and and bottle dump diggers and privy diggers we're all hoarders. Everything we find, <laughs> we, we think is a treasure. Isn't <laughs> we it? are. <laughs> just ask my we wife. We are hoarders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I get I get a lot of grief at home too. I have on my credenza I have a variety of sizes of mason jars and they all have stuff in them. I have one that has just the the little bits of things that I find metal detecting, the the cars and the dog tags and the keys. And then I've got another one and I, I know this is gonna sound so weird, 
the pull tabs with the beaver tails. Right. Mm-hmm. I I have a kind of have a thing for those. If I dig them and they're whole, I put them in a mason jar. I've got a mason jar full of those. I have a mason jar full of creepy doll parts. I've got another one that's got um, head stamps and any ammunition type things that I have found because I found some live rounds as well. I got a jar for those. I have a jar for um, uh, bottle the little stoppers that go in the old bottles. I have a jar because I have found just stoppers, just a little glass stoppers. I have a jar that's got a bunch of stoppers in it. So yeah, we are hoarders, and I, I will admit to being a hoarder. And see, so you know, uh, of course, my uh, stepkids. Uh, I'm sure my one year old, he's going to be the same way. But when I find something good and come in and oh look what I found today blah 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 and they're like well how much is it worth and when you're going to sell it and I'm like <laughs> well I'm, I'm not and then why not and then oh. it, so I mean you can see where their their brain is once uh, something happens to me and it's not about value when we uh, find stuff you know some of my most unusual finds of course I do history clips on them. They are worthless. I mean, they're nothing but junk is is about all that they are. But there's an interesting history behind a lot of that junk. And I, I didn't realize that until every week I kind of disciplined myself to take a find that uh, Jeff and I found that week, look the history up on it, and do a short, a minute and a half, two-minute history clip uh, on our videos. And I've learned so much about you know, just uh, common everyday items like that. Yeah, the, the the last video, I didn't know they had beach police in the, uh, well, what were they called, bathing suit police? <laughs> Make sure the women's bathing suit was long enough. Yeah, uh, we found a oh uh, we found a swim away buckle at an old 1830s house. Of course, it wasn't that old. It was probably uh, 1930s was when it was, and. Uh, Barb, I'm, I'm adding you to the call here. Uh, we'll get to you in just a second. Uh, but anyway, we uh, we found this swim-away buckle, and I did some research on it and found out it was late 1930s. And then uh, whenever I did the research on it, I just owned swimwear and everything and uh, found out that uh, back in the day, like in the 20s, they had beach police that would go around and measure and a woman's bathing suit couldn't be more than six inches above her knees, and a man had to wear a shirt. They said they didn't want the beaches to look like that they had gorillas on them <laughs> was the deal on it. But it, it's just humorous, you know. Hey, Barb, what's happening tonight? Well, hello, Barb. Hey, I want to know, does Sue save her 12th Georgia button? Do I save by what? Hi, Barb, how are you? I'm good, and you? I'm good. What's she, your question? Do you save your 12 Georgia buttons? Do you know what a 12 Georgia button is, Sue? No, I do not. That, is that, is a, that is a shotgun head stamp. It's got the 12 <laughs> GA oh, <okay>. on it. <laughs> yeah, I do. I save all of those that I found. There's um, Actually, not too far from where I live, there is a nature preserve area. And in that area used to be where a uh, Boy Scout camp used to be held, you know, back back in the day. 
Um, and a friend and I went and hunted there and ended up coming home with a whole handful of, of um, head stamps that we dated to, um, I want to say the 30s, 20s, 30s, something like that. Yeah. I mean, right here in my, in my little, my little suburb area, which is just weird because right across the street, there's a, a grocery store and a strip center, a strip shopping center. So it's just weird. The places where things like that turn up. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were hunting, uh, we were hunting last week and then, uh, of course, the landowner, he collects the uh, uh, head stamps. And, of course, Lloyd gave him one and just thought it was a 12, 12th Georgia at first. And it ended up being an 8th Georgia. It was an 8-gauge shotgun shell. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah, you don't find too many. In fact, I don't know that I've ever found an 8. Uh, I, I thought it was a 10. Uh, I didn't look at it, didn't clean it up. But I saved mine, and I actually run mine, Barb, through a rock tumbler and uh, clean them up and i keep them in mason jars and i've just got jar after jar of those things but <laughs> so you, i'm not the only one that hoards those huh that's right you're I, not i have a little, <laughs> have a, a little bowl of them but i don't clean them up because a lot of them still have the paper in them yeah yeah mm-hmm. they will they sure will well i'll tell you about all three of you something I've got a, tr- a truck bed full of them, and y'all can have every one of them. There's actually there's people collect them, and some of them are worth money. I just don't have the time to look at them. I tell you, there I used to be on a friendly metal detecting forum, and there was a guy, and this was just his nickname. It was uh, Turtlefoot. I can't remember what his real name was, but he had the most massive... Uh, website of head stamps that I had ever seen. And I would, uh, you know, whatever I'd find them and clean them up, I'd post a picture on the form and I'd say, I found these head stamps. And he began pointing out to me the differences in those. And he would say, you know, that one is very rare. And so he collected those and I sent him probably, I don't know, a half dozen that were real rare head stamps so that he could fill out his collection and actually have a picture for his uh, website and everything of those styles. And it's amazing how many different styles and how many different, uh, you know, head stamp manufacturers that there were back in the day. Finally, it, it got down to probably about three, but used to, you know, back in the in the 20s or the teens, there were just tons of people that were making shotgun uh, head stamps. There's actually a website out there that that's where we identified the ones that we found was on this website. And they've got that huge listing. Is that the same guy? That's the same guy. Yeah. And uh, that's the one we were using. So some of those head stamps that you will see on that are are some that I've I've seen him. You know, those things are worthless. And, uh, you know, I've hunted with people that they'll find them and they'll just throw them in the bushes or something. I keep every oh. one of them, and I clean every one, and I put them in a jar somewhere. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, mine's all in the bowl, but it's like, why would you throw them away? It's history. I mean, they're the ones with the papers are early 1900s. Right, right. You know why it is, Barb? Because people are monetary-minded. 
they want to find something. And the first thing that they asked is like Jeff's kids, what's it worth? Well, Mm -hmm. you know, monetary value, it's not worth anything. I mean, it's trash, but the historical value behind it. And until you start bottle digging or metal detecting or treasure hunting of any kind with the mindset, I'm looking for history you're going to be sorely disappointed because you're going to spend most of your life and not find anything that's really worth a lot of money. That's well said. Agreed. I I have known bottle diggers and there are people around here that will actually not, not share information on where they go dig because for that very reason, because they're going to find that one rare doublet Dr. Pepper bottle that is worth you know, whatever it's worth. And, and they're, they're in it for the money, you know, and I don't, I don't understand that. This is not about money. It's about history. It is about history. And once you get out of that mindset, uh, you're going to be disappointed in this hobby. I don't care what kind of treasure hunting that you do or history seeking. And I'll, I'll borrow that from Heath and Scott, the history seekers podcast. But when you get out of a seeking history, then you're going to be sorely disappointed in this hobby because very few of us are going to find anything that's worth very much money at all. And most of the bottles that I do have, they're pieced together from what the pieces I've got from broken bottles. And, I mean, it's just like y'all said, it's the history behind it. Yeah. Hey, Barb, did you have another question for Sue? I did, but I was listening to you babble. (laughs) (laughs) that's that's what we love that's what i love about barbara right well go ahead and ask it then um i want to know why we were talking about the at pro and um standard versus pro zero and everyone in the chat has decided the pings of standard drive us crazy uh how long can you hunt in that mode before you have to go back to zero? I'm about 30 seconds. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say, 2.6 2. seconds and I'm done. One <laughs> ding and I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I started with a uh, Ace 250. And, of course, you don't know how long I listened to that thing ding. And, then, of course, when I got the AT Pro, I had that other setting I could go to. And I was like, man, I'm I'm getting out of this standard. It sounds just like the... Uh, Ace 250, so I never went back. And that was a question that I was going to ask you, Sue, uh, about on your AT Pro. Uh, You don't run much discrimination, you said, unless you go to a park. We run ours Mm -hmm. in iron disc and put that iron disc at zero. Is that what you do when you're not running any discrimination? Yes. Now, I know Nugget Noggin runs his iron disc up around 22, trying to get some of the nails and things out. But I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Uh, I have found one or two cut reals that came in about 25. Of course, they were deep and they were on edge. But, uh, uh, you know, they didn't they didn't ring up, you know, real strong or a real high number on that until you get them out of the ground. So, yeah, that's the way we run ours. You still got yeah. yours, don't you, Barb? Your AT Pro? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, AT Pro's the keeper. Um, it, it has its time and place. I found some great things with it. 
yeah, I've gone back with the dais and found other things, but it, if I had probably set my pro upright, I probably would have found some of those things. But um, it, it, it never hurts to have another machine to go into a place because you're going to find something that you didn't, the other one didn't. That's exactly right. Agreed. I agree. I do too. And I right. go Don't ahead. Let me call in. I won't keep you. Um, y'all have a good night. Hey, thanks for the call, Barb. We certainly yep. do appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Barb. All right. See Sir. you soon. And see ya. we're going to close the phone lines now because we're almost running up on an hour and a half. And uh, what did you say before the show, uh, Jeff, that we were going to do on a shirt? Uh, we was giving the shirt to the last caller, so so that's Barb. Bar. Ding ding there ding, you you're the winner, Barb. Yeah. Ding ding ding. <laughs> ding 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 ding. Barb gets a triple X Relics Radio Wide Pride shirt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you you are a winner there, Barb, and so uh, uh, send me your information to uh, digging with seven at gmail dot com. Uh, or send send me a Facebook message. We're hooked up there, and uh, I'll get it over to Ken and Mark, and they will get you a Relics Radio T-shirt, and you can you can do what you want to with it. Uh, I know that you said if you won one, you might give it away, and that's fine with us. We uh, we just want you to have the opportunity to win one, and we certainly do appreciate Ken and Mark Guthrie. And I'm going to tell you something, all of you guys out there. Uh, that have a YouTube channel or anything, get a hold of those guys because you don't have to order a lot of shirts. They will make you up whatever shirts that you need. They'll keep your design on uh, in stock there, and people can come in and order uh, whatever they want, and they're just great guys to work with. So uh, uh, we highly recommend them. Hey, Sue, it's been a great time, and we really enjoyed having you on. Tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. I know you don't have a YouTube channel, but how they can uh, watch your finds and things like that on Facebook and what have you. I am on. I'm on several pages. The one that I'm that you'll see me on the most is Junk Monkeys. So that that's uh, I'm one of the one of the admins on that group. So go on over to Junk Monkeys, put in a request, and you'll get to watch, um, get to see our finds. And we do post videos up on there. And and I have a good friend that I hunt with, and some of you may be familiar with Juan uh, Pedraza, um, and seen his videos out there on on a variety of the sites. Um, he uh, he does post quite a few videos and I've been featured in a few of them, but we're, we're both junk monkeys. So y'all come on over and check us out. Well, if you don't mind, if you'll put those in the chat and then the people that pick up the archive will be able to, uh, uh, pick up that YouTube channel and that Facebook uh, group as well. And, uh, I tell you what, it's been a joy to have you on. I heard you, uh, one time or a few times on all metal mode and i was impressed you sounded like a very interesting person and i thought you'd be a great guest and we weren't disappointed were we jeff we sure wasn't i mean she has been a great guest and uh, we hope you'll come back i would love to i've had a great time talking to y'all tonight and you've got an open invitation any if you're up middle tennessee southern kentucky just uh, hit us up and we'll put you on something civil war yeah 
Awesome. That sounds great. I have not had much opportunities to relic hunt yet, so that would be an awesome, awesome thing to do. And if we ever make it out to a Garrett hunt, you're going to be one of the first people that we look up. You and Mark Hoover. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be there. The ugliest. Well, in, we'll say in the, Mark. Yeah. yeah, the ugliest and the prettiest right there at the Garrett Hunt. <laughs> Mark Hoover and Sue Roberts. <laughs> okay. But it's been a great time, Sue, and we appreciate you coming on. Appreciate all of our listeners, don't we, Jeff? We sure do. We. This is why we do the show. It's for the listeners. That's right. And we appreciate every one of you and all the callers. We really do. Yep had uh three callers tonight tony and charles and barb and we certainly do appreciate that and uh if you guys will hang on the line i'm gonna go ahead and close the show out and i'll be with y'all in just a second and we do appreciate everybody listening tonight uh even our overseas listeners that catch the archives we don't forget about you we uh appreciate you listening to us each week and catching those archives and leaving your comments and what have you And as I always do at the end of every show, if you like metal detecting podcasts, be sure and check out Beyond Sight and Sound with Josh Kimmel on Sunday night and Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern, American Digger Relic Roundup on Monday night, and All Metal Mode, and uh, American Digger is on at 9 o'clock Eastern, All Metal Mode is on Monday night at 8 o'clock Eastern. History Seekers with uh, Heath and Scott are on Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. And Hardcore Metal Detecting has their podcast on Thursday night and Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And obviously, we're on every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Eastern here on Relics Radio. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Relics Radio. We really do appreciate it. Be sure and join us live each Thursday night at 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 o'clock Eastern here on Spreaker. Or you can catch the archive show at Relics Radio on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, or iTunes. Please take a minute and hit the like button and be sure and follow us so that you'll get notifications of all of our upcoming broadcasts. You can also find us on YouTube at Digging with Seven or Tennessee Jeff, or you can check us out on our Relics Radio Facebook page. If you'd like to get in touch with us, then send an email to diggingwithseven at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you'll join us next Thursday night, and until then, get out there and dig some history.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.